Welcome to a special session of our podcast. This week it's a recording of a webinar we did on the 29th of July 2021 on the future of radio in the age of the internet. It's a bit longer than normal, but I do hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next time with a normal tech bite. I'm Craig Young. I am the CEO of the Technology Users Association of New Zealand, or TUANS, 35-year-old member association that we've been around for a while now. I'm really happy to have you all here. It's great to be talking about a topic that I was really thinking about earlier in the year. I heard to Santa James Cridland, or James C, that uh, I'd heard him on a podcast earlier in the year, and I thought, radio, another one of those markets that's been disrupted. So um, why don't we have a talk to some people? So really thrilled to be here this morning. Uh, well, it's, it's afternoon here now in New Zealand. So um, welcome, everybody. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to have two speakers. We have James uh, Cridlin, who's the radio futurologist. So I'll introduce him in a moment. He'll talk about the future of radio from his perspective. Um, highly experienced. And uh, I've never heard of a radio futurologist before, but that will be I'm sure he'll make that clear. And then um, our friend James Butcher uh, from uh, NZME, or Butch, as he's known to himself by the sounds of it. Um, but he'll talk more about that. I thought I'd run a cheeky little poll, though, to start with. So how about this? Um, I wanted to know, where, when you're in the car, because that seems to be a good place to have the radio, uh, what do you listen to? So pick one of the ones that you do the most. Is it broadcast radio for music? Broadcast radio for news and talkback, uh, online streaming music, or online podcasts. Um, and I do be careful because it does say the one you do the most. If you're like me, uh, I listen to the radio broadcasts when I'm driving to work. But if I'm driving through the country and not wanting to have to retune my radio, because yes, I don't have one of those ones that automatically tunes to the next station, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right, there's a lot coming in there. A lot of people listen to the music. Righto. So the other thing to note, people, is this session is being recorded. It will go up on our YouTube channel. And uh, I think we're going to turn it into a podcast as well. And um, we've been talking about iHeartRadio. So James will talk about that. Oh, well, there's two Jameses. This is confusing. James Butcher will probably talk about iHeartRadio. Anyway, great. Let's get started. So uh, we'll end the polling. And I'll share the results. There you are, everybody. Uh, most of you listen to broadcast radio, um, some sort of music. Um, but there's a good chunk of you that listen to podcasts. All right. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, James Cridlin first. So James is a radio futurologist, a writer, consultant, and public speaker. He's been working in radio and audio since 1989 and launched the world's first streaming smartphone app back in 2005 my goodness me uh, mm. with virgin radio part of the team that laid the foundations for the uk radio player you can obviously hear that he's from the uk um canada's vista radio talk sport frontier so oh you it's a it's a long list and he now lives in uh queensland so um i'm going to hand over to james and oh just one last thing people q a standard webinar there's a q a button at the bottom Please enter your Q questions and answers there because we are going to have a bit of a panel discussion at the end uh, with the two Jameses and we'll try and answer your questions. So with no further ado, uh, ado I'll hand over to James Cridlin. Thanks, James. Well, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully you can see my screen. Can you see my screen? We can see, see your slides. Good. Excellent. That's uh, usually the best plan. Um, so uh, an hour ago, 
I was in a panel um, in California, where it's still yesterday, uh, which you can mostly say about the US, and uh, they, uh, they had somebody in the, uh, in the chat who they had to ban. Uh, I think it's the, first, <laughs> it's the first conference I've ever been in where somebody has actually been banned. So uh, anyway, um, Kiora, it's very good to be here. Um, I'm talking to you from uh, Brisbane, and uh, I should just first by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land, the uh, Turbal and Jagera people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Uh, I'm here to talk about the future of radio in the age of the internet. Um, when I can get that slide to work. There you go. Um, a little bit about me. I'm a, a, a radio person. I've been in radio for a long, long time. Uh, this is me uh, working in a UK radio station back in the early 1990s. Uh, also on this uh, photo card is a guy called Chris Moyles, who ended up being incredibly famous, worked on uh, the BBC for a number of years, uh, is now working for Radio X, um, tremendously famous radio DJ, uh, and also on here is someone who's in prison for killing somebody, so we'd better move on. Um, I also uh, worked for the original Virgin Radio, looked after their website, looked after what they did in terms of um, daily podcasts. So we produced the first daily podcast from a radio station back in January of 2005, and also the first mobile phone app, uh, as you've just heard. Um, this mobile phone app, we didn't even know what to call it. We ended up calling it a 3G tuner. Um, but it was the first mobile phone app to stream a radio station. It worked on three different Symbian phones. Uh, so, uh, so that was a thing. Um, and now, as you've heard, I'm a radio futurologist. Uh, yes, it is a made up word, but you know, why not? Um, working with a ton of different people from across uh, the world, very much enjoying that. And also putting together a newsletter every single day about podcasts. Paul Spain likes it, so therefore it must be good. Um, you can get that for free at podnews.net. So we're here to talk about the future of radio. And it's probably helpful for us just to focus on this one word, radio, um, because the radio word is an important one here. Now, some people think that radio is all about AM and FM, but as we'll discover that I'm, I'm not entirely sure that radio is about that. Instead, I think that radio is defined this way now. It's defined as a shared experience. When you listen to the radio, you know that other people are listening to the same thing as you are. It's defined as a human connection. You are listening to human beings, the other end of your radio station. Um, whether you're listening to uh, News Talk, um, uh, ZB, whether you're listening to uh, you know, music stations as well, you, know, you can hear a bunch of human people that you are connecting with. And it's audio first. That doesn't mean that it hasn't got video or visuals with it, but it's an audio first medium. So that's what I uh, think of as radio. And uh, this uh, fancy uh, transmitter somewhere in the world uh, is just one way of getting uh, radio out to people, but there are plenty of other ways uh, as well. I mean, obviously, it's a bit pointless as talking about uh, radio and radio's future because, um, as this man, Lord Kelvin, said, radio has no future. Uh, he said that in 1899, so I'm not quite sure why we're bothering with talking about radio uh, or indeed using aeroplanes because they're impossible uh, or indeed uh, x-rays um, because x-rays are, are, are a hoax as well. Uh, it just goes to show never listen to a radio futurologist. Um, but um, radio is, of course, dead. I mean, uh, he, here is a photograph of a Wired magazine from 20 years ago. 
showing a bullet going through a radio and saying that it was the end of radio. Uh, lots of things have killed uh, the radio star. Uh, obviously, a video uh, has killed the radio star. Um, advertising, um, Spotify killed the radio star. Uh, quotas have killed the radio star. Uh, Vine, if you remember that, that, that's apparently killed the radio star as well. And rather perplexingly, Norway. Um, so it's um, a little bit weird to see some people still listen to the radio. How do you find your music, what you listen to? Um, radio. You still listen to radio? Yeah. Wait a minute. You still listen to the radio? Well, a lot of people... Don't you? A lot of people don't listen... In the car. You, well, is it like, is it like a satellite radio station? Or are you listening no, to old a, kind just of... Just a little thing with a knob. All right. Ding. Radio. <laughs> FM. Yeah. yeah. Well, I noticed you drove... You drive yourself around. You drove up here today. What are you listening to in the car? Radio? Radio. Astonishing, isn't it? Uh, there's a man, uh, uh, brilliantly, also called James, James Paul McCartney, um, who uh, enjoys listening to uh, the radio. And it turns out that quite a lot of people do, actually. For a dead medium, it's rather, uh, it's, it's rather unpleasantly alive. 95% um, of people in Austria listen to the radio every single week. 92% in Finland, 88% um, in the UK, uh, and in the independent state of Brisbane, 94.5% uh, listen to the radio every single week. Nine out of 10 people listen to the radio every single week. And it's a massive part of the audio that we listen to uh, as well. Uh, here's some data from uh, Australia uh, showing that the amount of, of the amount of audio that we put into our ears, radio is there with two thirds of all of the audio that we put into our ears. Yes, there's podcasts. Yes, there's streaming audio and stuff like that. But radio is a significant part of our audio life. Um, it works really well in the morning. It's uh, one of the best things um, to advertise on if you want to try and stop people buying L&P and instead buy the big fizz to go with their hokey pokey for lunch when they go out to countdown just ticking my cultural references off there, um, then radio is a great thing to, um, uh, to advertise on. And you can see that radio does significantly better than any other audio uh, medium uh, right through the day. It's an interesting conversation when it gets late in the evening. Is radio declining? Well, yes, but uh, th this is some data that came out of the EBU last week. So the EBU looks after radio um, across the whole of Europe. Uh, the European Broadcast Union, and they've released uh, this, which shows that the amount of people listening to radio across Europe has declined, as you can see, well, not by an awful lot, to be frank. Uh, it's down by 2.7% in five years, the amount of people listening to the radio. For young people, and we are always told that radio has a tremendous problem uh, with young people, uh, young people has gone down by 6% in the last five years, and only 79% of young people listen to the radio. Um, I'm, you know, 79% is a tremendous figure. It's absolutely huge. It's more than uh, pretty well any website will ever have. It's a tremendously impressive number. Um, so yes, there is uh, change, um, as there always will be, but still 79% of young people listening to the radio uh, every single week uh, is a fine thing.
Um, and there is change. Um, more people are listening to speech now than they ever have done. Um, a little bit less listening to music over the last five years. This is data from uh, the US. Um, and that's particularly the case in terms of uh, young audiences as well, who um, are listening to much more speech. And probably some of that is uh, podcasting. Um, and yes, podcasting is increasing. But um, this is the latest data from Australia. 37% of Australians listen to podcasting a month, uh, whereas 95% of Australians listen to radio a week. So they are very different. Um, and radio is still very, very strong. The other thing that I would uh, just very quickly say is that different devices have different behavior uh, as well and different users. So when you have a look at, for example, audio listening as a whole, old people, 55 plus, use radio for that. Absolutely overwhelmingly. This is data from the UK. Um, overwhelmingly use radio, whereas younger audiences are using smart speakers and their computer and radios and smartphones to listen to audio. So it's a very different world for young people to old people. And it also depends on what device you listen to. Astonishingly, 100% of all of the audio that you get out of a radio is the radio. But that's not necessarily the case in terms of other platforms. Smart speakers do really well in terms of radio. Two thirds of all of the audio that we listen to on a smart speaker is live radio. Uh, I don't have a radio in the house anymore. Um, I just have smart speakers. Um, and I'm not alone uh, in terms of that. When you look at uh, computers and tablets and things, 41% of all of the audio that we listen to on those things is to live radio. It's people getting into work, logging into their computer, tuning into their favorite radio station. Um, but in terms of mobile phones, it's a bit different. 16% is to live radio, and there's an awful lot more on-demand content that people are having a listen to, podcasting, uh, music services uh, as well. And interestingly, there's a difference in terms of headphone use as well. Um, when you look at what people use their headphones for, a lot of podcasting, not very much live radio. Um, so different devices have different behavior. Clearly, one of the growth opportunities for radio is the smart speaker. Um, this is data from the US, but it shows a significant growth in the amount of streaming going on in terms of uh, smart speakers over the last uh, three or four years uh, or so. And more than a quarter of people in Australia own a smart speaker. So smart speakers are most certainly um, part of the future of radio, as long as you don't believe that radio is just AM and FM. So that's lovely data. What does this all mean really? Well, what this all means really is um, four things, I think, and then I will hand you over to Butch. Um, firstly, radio is still very young, uh, very uh, strong. Radio is still incredibly strong, even for youth uh, listeners. Nine out of 10 of us as a whole listen to the radio every single week. That's a tremendous figure. We shouldn't forget how strong radio is. Uh, eight out of 10 of us, perhaps, in terms of young people, listen to the radio every single week. That is still a tremendous uh, opportunity for anyone uh, who wants to get music out there, who wants to get new ideas out there, who wants to advertise, uh, who wants to do other things as well. Uh, the future of AM and FM is one thing, and that's different to the future of radio. And radio, I firmly believe, is a shared experience. It's a human connection and it's audio first.
That's what radio really uh, succeeds in. Um, and uh, different platforms will come and go. You can listen to radio across a variety of different platforms, whether it's through the TV, whether it's through um, uh, old-fashioned analog radio, if you like, whether it's through new forms of broadcast radio, or, of course, the Internet. Um, but uh, radio straddles all of those and has done for a long, long time. On-demand content is really important, particularly for younger audiences. Um, and I think I do an awful lot of consulting with radio groups. And I think that one of the things that that probably means is that we need to change the priorities of what we make and how we make it um, so that we're catering more to on-demand. But there's clearly a real opportunity there in terms of on-demand for people that make great audio, as radio broadcasters do. Uh, and finally, um, I have a, a strategy which I share with uh, some of the clients that I work with, which is around getting your content out there. It does seem to me that there's two very different ways of, con of getting your content out there. One of them is live radio. Um, when you turn on uh, a knob on your device and you listen to the radio, there's one behind me uh, over there somewhere. Um, when, you t when you turn that knob on, it will make noise for you live linear radio it's a tremendously popular thing um, but that works really well on speakers what we have discovered I think through all of the data is that headphones work really well for on-demand and a great radio broadcaster has a good strategy for looking at both of that looking at live radio through uh, FM broadcasting across uh, New Zealand and across the world but also looking at uh, on-demand content as well, on-demand content both through apps but also through smart speakers and other devices uh, as well. So that's where I see uh, the future as uh, being. Um, I put together a daily email which is all about podcasting. It's a podnews.net uh, which you should get, it's very good and it's free, um, and uh, a weekly one all about radio as well. But um, from me, that's uh, one James done. So shall we hand over to the other James, would that be well, a plan? Yeah, but I will ask you a question first, and I think you've answered it. Because when you were doing your definition of radio, I noticed it didn't have the words real time. And I think you've answered that towards the end where you've talked about on demand. So radio isn't necessarily real time then in your definition. No, I mean, I think um, uh, there are lots of Americans who talk about the future of radio as being live and local and, you know, and uh, every, everything's all got to be live and all got to be local. And um, I don't think that either of those words are important, actually, to where the future of radio is going. And if you're looking for two alliterative words, then I would go for real and relevant. Uh, it, real in terms of real human beings connecting with you. Um, that's what the best radio is. That's what radio does fantastically well. Um, you might not always agree with them, Paul Henry, but nevertheless, you can certainly connect with them. You can understand where they're coming from. So uh, real human beings is really important and relevant conversation, relevant content uh, is, really, is really important. Now, relevant content might be local. It might be talking about what's going on in the car park. It might be talking about, you know, um, what they're doing with that cable car. Um, but relevant content is also relevant to my life. And, you know, talking about, um, you know, talking about COVID and talking about masks and everything else is relevant to everybody's lives at the moment. Um, it's still very relevant content. It m might not happen to be particularly local. So I think real and relevant is most certainly the future. Live radio, I mean, you know, 
uh, a secret around quite a lot of radio that you hear is that it's not actually live anyway. Um, quite a lot of it has been pre-produced, quite a lot of it has been put together so that it sounds fantastic, so that it works really, really well. Um, so, um, you know, so live radio isn't um, quite as important. The last time that I was on the radio, um, uh, one of my jobs was helping the uh, the presenters in the radio group that I worked for understand how the computer systems worked. And so one of the ways that I um, kept myself, um, you know, and understood how the playout systems worked and how everything else worked is that when I would do the Sunday breakfast show, which was the highest rated Sunday breakfast show on that station uh, at that time, um, uh, when I was doing that, I did um, the entire show about 10 minutes ahead of time and pre-recorded it. So you, I could still talk about the football that was on last night. I could still talk about the weather that was on during the day. But if I fluffed, then I could go back and do it better. If I thought of a better way of phrasing something, then I could go back and, and get it absolutely right. If I wanted to talk up to the intro and sound like a hot 1980s DJ, uh, then I could do that too automatically through the playout system. And I think actually quite a lot of radio that you listen to now um, isn't quite as live as you think it is. And live is less important than it probably ever has been. Thanks, James. Um, we, we might um, put James Butcher on the on the hook later on when we whether we can ask him how much is pre-produced and on his that's, radio station so we'll see okay trade, so, se trade secrets you're sharing there james i think your membership for the to the, to the radio association globally will have to be reviewed <laughs> it's long gone long gone <laughs> okay um we're going to move on to james butcher here in 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 uh, tiro i think he's in tamaki makauru um and uh, just to remind people, if you do have questions, chuck them in the Q&A and uh, we'll be able to answer them um, at the end. So James is just putting his slides up. So um, James Butcher is the head of digital audio here in um, Auckland at NZME. He started his working career in technology at Microsoft and Microsoft Advertising in the UK after five years moved to Sydney um, where he wouldn't want to be right now working for Nine Entertainment Company before heading to Pandora. Is Pandora still a thing? You can tell me about that when you talk, James. Um, from there, he joined FCB here in New Zealand, where he was most recently GM Digital Media. And since February this year, he's been working at NZME with uh, the home of radio stations like ZB, ZM and Hauraki, which are, you know, household names here in New Zealand. And he's a winner because he recently won the service to the industry at the IAB Awards 2020. So James Butcher, time is yours. Thank you, thank you very much for the, the introduction and, and for having me. Um, very helpfully, I've, I've got a colleague on the call here who's been messaging me saying, James Criblin's gonna be a very hard act for you to follow. So first of all, thank you, James, for that. Uh, <laughs> um, and, um, you know, secondly, um, a lot of what I'm gonna talk to you guys about today um, I think helpfully there's a lot of crossover with what James has been talking about. So I guess my role here is to take a lot of the changes that we're seeing in the channel and society and in consumption behaviours and how do we navigate our way through that as a commercial audio business. Right? And we are increasingly using the language audio over here at NZME as opposed to radio because exactly what James was sort of touching on that we think that radio is a way of delivering content 
but it's not the only way of delivering content. And we're increasingly thinking about our audio brands, such as ZM, such as ZB, um, in terms of the type of content that we're producing. Yes, we might put that out on air terrestrially, and we might put that out live, and that's a big part of our listening. And a lot of those consumption um, numbers that Jane shared um, is what we see in this market as well. There's a lot of people tuning in live and tuning in locally and tuning in through terrestrial devices. But increasingly, digital is giving us um, more opportunity to produce more content and distribute it to people on the platforms that they want to consume it on and on the terms that they want to consume it. Um, hey, but look, a little bit of context, I guess, about me and my role and, and, and context here. So um, I've only been in the role for about four or five months. And I think the relevance of my background is it's purely digital. Um, and I think um, selfishly, and, and of course I'd say that, I think that's a really good thing for our business is to hire someone whose background is in digital and put that within the radio business. So I report directly up into Wendy Palmer, who's the, some of you may know, she's, she's the um, CEO of radio, um, but I do not actually have a radio background. Um, and I think um, that's been really helpful in terms of what I've tried to do joining this business is look at everything that we're doing but looking at it through a different lens. I mean, radio, despite the production of death in 1899, has been well established, very successful, very strong for many, 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 many years. Um, and actually um, coming from outside the industry and looking at things a little bit differently, I think it's been really helpful for me. Um, uh, my title is Head of Digital Audio, so it's not Head of Digital Radio, and again, um, I think important context to that, um, I kind of view myself as having two tasks. One of them is how do we help transition our radio brands into being increasingly digital brands as much as they are terrestrial brands. So that's a big part of what I'm doing. The other part of what I'm doing is looking more broadly at the type of content that we're producing in audio. So be that under the New Zealand Herald, be that under One Roof, be that under our podcasting network or whatever that might be. It's just looking at audio more broadly as a way of, um, of delivering content, entertainment, audience and audiences and all those types of bits and pieces. Because I think at the core of this, this is just like any other media business, any other media channel. It's a really simple equation. We produce content which entertains, informs audiences generates audiences, which creates commercial opportunity, be that commercial opportunity through a subscription service, um, be it through ad funded or whatever that might be. It's a really simple formula, which applies to virtually any other media channel. Anyway, let me let me run into this. I've only got a couple of slides, um, which are not clicking through. There we go. Um, I guess the first slide I was going to I was going to touch on is um, we are not the first channel to be disrupted by digital, and we are not the first ch channel to, to kind of reference the, the end of or the death of um, as a result of, of the increasing digitalization of, of, of everything that we do. Um, you go right back to the start, and I think, you know, one of the really early channels which was disrupted was the good old yellow pages. You know, we used to receive that big old thick text box, which would arrive in your letterbox. Um, for those of you that were born pre-1985, such as myself, you know, and that was our directory to find the businesses and services that um, we might need for a particular kind of consumer need or whatever that might be, would go to the index. Yeah, I need a plumber. There we go. You know, search engines and the internet totally, totally removed that um, and, you know, and created a whole new way for us to discover content and search for the kind of services that we need. And obviously they've exploded and gone from then. You know, newspapers have transitioned to a .co.nz or whatever equivalent and again it's we used to produce content 
for the uh, I guess for the for the for the daily newspaper the next day and would have editorial deadlines and then you know that paper would go out and whatever happened through that day it couldn't be changed it was in hard print but, you know a lot of that channel is whilst newspapers are still incredibly strong in this market you know the digitalization of that has meant that we are producing constant uh, content all the time and consumers are accessing it you know uh, across a multitude of devices and the news I guess and the way that it's delivered is now always live so newspapers have been disrupted but I think in a, in a really positive way in that sense right as we're able to now be um, uh, I guess far more relevant far more recent and, and uh, with far more opportunity to reach audiences with the latest news through the digitalization of that channel um, broadcast TV you know continues to disrupt um, uh, TVNZ, I think, in this market's done a phenomenal job of, of what they've built with their on-demand platform and their ability to coexist with global subscription services like Netflix, like Disney, like Amazon Prime, et cetera. They've got a really clear value proposition. It's a beautiful user interface. It's ad-funded. It's free. I think there's still a really large appetite for ad-funded content in this market. And I think they coexist really nicely on every smart screen in New Zealand. You know that if you want local content, you don't want to pay for it. There's a strong catalog um, and there's a good user experience. You might go to, to TVNZ On Demand and there's a lot of programmed viewing there. But if you want to go into the vortex of, of, a, of a Netflix and, and look for something which might be global and, and that you currently pay for, then that's a viable alternative and you, you might do that. And that's very much how I'm thinking about radio and the disruption of radio into some of these digital channels is like there was still a lot of people who love consuming radio. They love that program's nature, the local, the the, the the talent led and everything that brought people into radio in the first place, they still love that, but they're now just accessing it a little bit differently. Right? And I think the digitalization of radio, much like I kind of spoke about with the other channels, search engines perhaps a little bit different because I think the yellow pages is, is a lot smaller now than it was um, a few years ago. But anyway, I think, I think, yes, it provides a lot of disruption, but for us as a publisher and a content producer, it also presents a lot of opportunities. Um, every single person on this call right now has a, uh, a radio on them, right? If we've all got our mobile devices, you know, radio has never been more accessible. You can walk into my house right now and you can go, okay, Google, play News Talk ZB. And you've got News Talk ZB streaming in my living room and, and, and in my bedroom or whatever that might be, right? And that is incredible access to radio like never before. Um, I might love the Jono and Ben show that, that plays out on, on the hits each morning, but I might have a meeting that morning, that morning and I might miss it. But being able to catch up on that show in an on-demand format, um, you know, is something that, again, the digitalization of that show and channel is giving users more access to it. And I think that that's a really positive thing. So platforms are evolving and disrupting, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think this kind of narrative that James touched on, that digital will kill radio, we really kind of need, we're working pretty hard over here to kind of change that narrative, which is, no, digital will disrupt radio, but it will actually make it better. It will actually give us more opportunity um, to, you know, and, and to grow and change the way that we think about our radio brands. It's not easy, um, but, you know, that's something that we're working on pretty hard over here. Um, you might have noticed behind me, I'm coming from the, uh, the ACC studio. Um, so for, uh, for those of you who, who aren't familiar, the ACC is um, the Alternative Commentary Collective. It is a brand that spun out from, from underneath Hauraki. They cover a lot of live sports, um, a lot of sports podcasting, um, you know, and that is a digital first audio brand, which came off the back of a lot of the talent that existed within Hauraki. And I think it's a really strong example of taking a big terrestrial radio brand, the disruption of digital, and then producing a whole new 
set of content and opportunity for audiences to engage and therefore brands to be a part of, kind of off the back of that, which digital has really enabled for us. Um, the other thing I kind of want to touch on is, is um, for us, uh, the, the audio uh, landscape is actually really big and interesting. I think I've spoken, I've previously come out of um, advertising agency and I've also come out of Pandora and, and Craig, yes, Pandora is, is still around, um, still very large in the US, although I think slightly less large than they were about five years ago. Um, for those of you that don't know Pandora, it is a pure play music streaming service, um, basically pitched itself as personalized radio. So unlike Spotify, you can't necessarily go in and select a song or select an album. What you would do is you'd plant a music, uh, a song or an artist or a genre, and then they would have an algorithm that would curate and program a playlist based on music that had a similar sound and structure and integrity to that type of music that you liked or that seed that you planted. So it was still very much based around radio and that it was a programmed listening experience. You'd push play and it would off it go. Um, pure play digital and it didn't have the talent and the show and the hosts integrated into it. But anyway, um, so the audio ecosystem is very big and we're kind of thinking about it as a publisher and, and kind of four, four buckets for want of a better phrase. And I've touched a lot on the first one, which is um, there's still a lot of people that love radio, but that are now increasingly accessing it via digital devices. And that is radio as we know it today, but it's just making it more accessible. Um, and look, you know, for, for us, we're seeing really strong growth. Um, we make all our content available through iHeart, um, and it's exclusively available through iHeart, although there are some third-party aggregation sites that pick up our streams as well. Um, and, you know, we partnered with iHeart, which is a big US um, uh, audio platform, um, as a way of delivering that content to New Zealanders. Um, quite frankly, uh, it's a, a bit of an arms race in this space um, and a market our size, it's very difficult to be able to build and maintain um, that sort of feature and functionality integrated into the various um, uh, environments that are spinning off from Sonos to Apple to Google to Amazon, et cetera that we've decided to partner in that space. Um, you know, there's other people who've decided to make their own and that's just a, a different path. But, um, you know, iHeart for us represents all our radio content that just accessed online, be that through a mobile, a desktop, a smart speaker, whatever that might be. Um, then there's music streaming, right? And there is a lot of people that absolutely do love streaming music. Um, and I think it's important, going back to that TV and Z on demand and the Netflix example, as I think online radio and music streaming can coexist. I think I think they are not necessarily one or the other. Yeah, we do compete for share of air, but for me, what services like Spotify and what Apple iTunes have done a brilliant job of disrupting is rather than having to go down to a music store and purchase a CD, I can sit in the comfort of my armchair and just subscribe to a CD, right? And I could just you know play my catalog of music available with me wherever I am and off I go and I can start listening to that music. And yeah, we're seeing you know uh, that kind of encroaching into that sort of um, uh, programmed music experience, you know, playlists, Discover Weekly, um, you know, there's various, um, you know, talent-led shows that they are bringing into that kind of music streaming experience, which starts to kind of look a little bit like radio, but it is still very different to the content that you would typically consume over a terrestrial radio feed today. You know, our radio is still very much talent-led, it's still locally driven, and it's that kind of push-play programmed listening experience, predominantly, you know, particularly around what goes out on the, on the terrestrial feed. The third type of audio content that's going out there at the moment is, is obviously podcasts. Um, 
we're seeing uh, significant growth in the podcasting space. Um, I think for the last month we had 1.8 million downloads of our owned and operated content that we're producing at the moment. Um, that's up, oh, I think it's about 60 to 70% year on year. Um, and to be really honest and transparent, we, we're not producing anywhere near as much as we would like to be in this space. Um, you know, we've got some pretty big ambitions on producing a lot more content in the podcast space, be that content that's connected to our radio brands. And so, uh, you know, the Fletch Vaughan and Megan show from ZM, um, we provide that, of, we, we produce a lot of content under that, but we also might do some spin-off stuff with, um, with Fletch or Vaughan and, 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 and look at some, some, some other shows that they might want to produce in podcast format, et cetera. But podcasting is absolutely something that we're seeing growing and is, is a huge opportunity for us. And then more broadly under the audio ecosystem, I've just kind of captured this, what will be next, this kind of catch-all kind of audio as a way of delivering content. Um, I put in social audio there, so Clubhouse is a business that, that's um, getting some interest out of, out of, out of America. Um, but for us locally, we're just thinking of audio as a really great way of delivering content. I always think that you learn to talk and listen before you learn to read and write. And it's just such a natural way of communicating. So some of the things that we're looking at at the moment is, for example, there's a whole bunch of people who love the New Zealand Herald. They love reading the articles, but lo and behold, it's not particularly safe or wise to read while you drive. And so there's some people who might want to consume some of the Herald, but they want to consume it while they're driving. And we think audio is a really, you know, that sort of text to voice technology is a really interesting way of delivering that content. And it's not just sort of New Zealand Herald content. We're also working with a few brands out there in market and looking at, what type of content are they delivering to customers as part of their journey? And is there a way that audio can do a better job of that? So not really podcast, not nearly entertainment, but just more of a way of, of a really effective way of delivering content. So we're thinking of the audio ecosystem as being much bigger than just radio or music streaming. You know, audio is, um, we think anyway, is, is um, seeing somewhat of a renaissance and is growing. And as a business that produces a lot of content and produces a lot of radio content, we think within this ecosystem that we're in a really good place to, um, to grow and continue to evolve and um, you know, really succeed, I guess, within the context of these four content pillars. Um, and, and the other thing I guess I'd call out is, is we're seeing a lot of organic growth anyway. Um, so from people accessing our content via our iHeart relationship, we're just seeing natural growth. Right? So what you're seeing up here on the screen is our total listening hours. So it's a combination of the unique number of people we reach times how long they spend with us. Um, there's a couple of call outs. You'll see that um, unfortunately lockdowns typically are good for digital platforms and for media consumption. So we've seen some spikes here um, in New Zealand when we went into lockdown originally in March 2020, again in August 20, and then most recently in March 21. Um, but what that has also done is it's, you know, the, the, the classic created new behaviours which people have held on to and, and continued with. So for us as a business, we are seeing more people accessing our content digitally, and we go, that's a good thing. You know, we, we're excited about that. Um, and we would also, to be honest, say we've just seen that happen naturally. We haven't really done a big drive around, hey, everybody, only look, come come to iHeart. We haven't been a big, a, a, a big above the line presence and really trying to drive this audience growth. Um, the, the, a couple of things just to kind of close off on is um, I think there's a couple of real challenges for us in the market um, and for us as a publisher and particularly in New Zealand around 
um, what our future looks like. What you've got up here on screen is a couple of screen grabs from uh, someone in the UK's phone, actually, which is talking about um, uh, just the proliferation of um, well, the, the race to own distribution, should we say. Um, on your right-hand side is a, just a snippet of some of the audio apps that exist and are available for people to consume audio content. Right? And there's some stuff in there which is capturing some radio, there's stuff in there which is capturing podcasts, um, you know, music, audio books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're seeing is a real proliferation of um, content and choice, I guess, for consumers, for want of a better phrase. And the luxury of a market in, like the UK is it's very advanced. Um, uh, you know, mobile phone speeds, data costs are very low, um, big population, you can kind of fragment. In a market like New Zealand, if you take those applications and they're available to New Zealand audiences, we start to lose scale very, very quickly. iHeart's incredibly important for us as a business, as a business for ways for people to access our content. So actually the success of the iHeart application, particularly in relation to smartphones, but also increasingly some of those other ecosystems like smart speakers becomes really, really important for us. And we compete locally because we are a local business and we produce a local content, um, we pay local fees, et cetera. Yes, we're partnered with iHeart, but we're very much a local business. But a lot of those applications that you're seeing up there are big global businesses. And particularly in the space of podcasting, you know, the shows that we produce directly compete with people like Joe Rogan, right? And that's a really hard thing to do, to be honest. You know, Joe Rogan's enormous, right? He's got a massive global following. Um, Spotify have a huge presence in this market. Right. Um, and it's really, um, you know, that's a real challenge for us is, A, how do we make sure that um, we're front of screen um, and that our content's being accessed and is really strong in a market where we've only got four million people. So the more choice that consumers have, the more fragmented we become and a lot harder it becomes for us to be successful from a, that, that, that um, formula that I played out at the start, which is, you know, content driving audience and, and then driving commercial opportunity. So this is a real challenge for us today, but is also increasingly going to be a challenge for us in the future. Um, the way that we think that we win and overcome in this space is right back to the original um, idea of, of being a radio business is producing great content that entertains New Zealand, you know, New Zealanders or informs New Zealanders. And we think that's what will drive people and that's what we're really putting a big focus and priority on over here. Um, a couple of things just quickly before I close off. Um, uh, I, I think I referenced this a little bit before. We do think that they're seeing a bit of renaissance with audio. Um, this is a study that came out from IPG's investment firm Magna and they partnered with Spotify. Um, and I think you, you probably see this through your own media behaviours is there's this kind of um, uh, rejection of screen-based media as people kind of come out of lockdown and, dare I say it, go back out into the world. And, you know, when you're going back out to, you know, walk the dog, catch up with friends, you know, drive to the beach house, whatever that might be, you know, the media channel that typically goes with you, you know, the ultimate multitask media, the companion media is radio and is, is audio. And I think there's this sort of, you know, there's this behaviour of people being so scrunched over their screens and their mobiles that people are starting to stop and look back and, you know, uh, and 
uh, kind of start to reject some of that media, should we say, and, and are far more receptive to, to audio as a channel, as a format. So, um, you know, we think that's a trend that's starting to develop globally, and, and I think we'll see more of that. Um, the other thing that I was going to quickly touch on is that um, uh, the digitalization of radio is um, giving us the opportunity to also create better listening experiences. And I'm just going to spend one minute talking about the commercial opportunity because we are a commercial business. Um, but what we're doing is we're going out to brands and we're saying to them, radio is a really effective channel for you to be investing your marketing dollars in. Now that there's a bunch of people consuming it digitally, you can actually now transact radio and all the great things around why you buy radio, but also combine it with all the great thing reasons around um, digital. So now that you can transact that digitally. Um, and it's allowing us to kind of deliver new advertising opportunities, generate more effectiveness, um, which ultimately, if you're delivering a better advertising um, product, you should be able to be delivering a better listening product. Uh, there's a campaign that we recently ran for Corona, and it's a, it's a good example of that, where basically we took someone's, and, and just, just the campaign is for Corona um, from where you'd rather be, um, and you know the consumer insight was reaching people who weren't at a beach, but we're, we're potentially near a beach. And so we'd take that user's um, location, um, their nearest beach name, and then we would look at the surf conditions of that beach at that time, and we'd deliver them a personalized surf report. Corona, wouldn't you rather be at the beach surfing? And so what we were able to do is we were able to dynamically um, uh, render an audio message and serve that in a channel which is really mass and, and really effective like radio, but just turn up in a way which is more contextually relevant and more environmentally interesting. I've got a couple of, I'll just play you two examples of it. It's only, it's only 30 seconds, but it'll give you an understanding of, of how two different um, people might hear um, a message um, and, their, and their local surf conditions. I'm hoping this plays. That's not gonna play, is it? No, no one's hearing that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I will be able to share that round off the back of it. Um, uh, but hope, hopefully, you kind of understand uh, the, the concept of, um, of of what I'm trying to share there. But um, you know, we think that there's a lot of commercial benefit in terms of being able to transact radio digitally, um, which is ultimately, hopefully, also going to help our listening experience, which is again really important aspect of what we're trying to achieve with the future. And that's me. Thank you. Oh, thank you, James. Um, I've got a question for you straight away on the surf um, example. Um, Great. This person loves the surf example. Is NZME looking to open up its APIs, possibly commercial, but not always, to other distribution channels? Uh, so as that, as in I'm taking NZME data and feeding that into another channel to render a, a, a dynamic message or to I'm inform something? Just reading the uh, question. Yeah, uh, let, let's let's assume that it is. So, uh, look, data is a big part of um, NZME's assets and our future, um, and we're increasingly looking at ways that we use data to personalise the content that we deliver, make it more relevant, but also from an advertising and commercial um, perspective. So, yes, with the campaigns that we're running across our inventory, um, and I'm sure we, you know, we're increasingly having conversations looking at our data asset and how that can work well with other businesses and whatever context that might make sense. Um, um, but look, I'm, yeah. I'm probably not the right person to talk yeah. about um, our broader data asset. So James Cridlin, um, I'll, I'll chuck a question to you. I've got a couple actually. Um, what, since you're the pod 
news person. What's the biggest podcast in the world at the moment? Uh, well, uh, there is no uh, chart like that, uh, rather annoyingly. Um, but uh, from the research, we see certainly the biggest podcast in the US is Joe Rogan. Um, which is a Spotify exclusive, of course, these days. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think what is very helpful, actually, is when you are in a uh, in a country like the US that can have its own ranker and lots of different people can actually take part in that uh, in that ranker. There's a, an Australian podcast ranker as well. And so you can actually see that the most popular podcast ranker, for uh, most popular podcast in Australia is, um, I think it's a true crime podcast um, on iHeart, so uh, which is always, always nice. Um, so, you know, I, and, uh, you know, so those sorts of rankers are very useful. Um, and, uh, you know, different countries listen to different shows, it turns out. Because um, Brene Brown, Brene Brown is on um, Spotify as well, I think, isn't she now? So she's a huge... Um... Yeah, well. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Spotify is interesting that there's, um, you know, they have spent an awful lot of money in terms of um, exclusive shows and that sort of thing. And that's fine. Uh, Joe Rogan apparently cost them 100 million US dollars, uh, which is quite a thing. Um, and uh, the, the only th thing is that actually in terms of um, total people listening to him, uh, in terms of his overall, um, you know, uh, his overall brand, that has actually shrunk because Spotify is, depending on what data you look at, 20 or 30% of all podcast consumption. Um, it may be a little bit more in some countries, but it's certainly nowhere near as much as, you know, if you were available everywhere. And, um, you know, so exclusive content uh, doesn't necessarily always translate into uh, a commercial success, although, you know, clearly Spotify is um, trying to work, you know, as hard as it possibly can do. Uh, I noticed that the... Um, the, the latest data that uh, Spotify Australia uh, has shared is that they make about 20 million uh, Australian, uh, sorry, 20 million US dollars a year from uh, free podcast, uh, from free uh, users. So, you know, selling them advertising in there, um, uh, of which they've paid a little bit of tax, which is nice. Um, and uh, officially uh, in uh, Australia, they have made nothing from paid for uh, users, which is very strange. I'm I'm a, a paid user of uh, Spotify. I wonder why they, I uh, wonder why they've claimed that uh, to the ATO that they've made nothing. Oh yes, no, I've worked out why because all of that money goes through the Netherlands. All oh, right. So, okay. um, uh, <laughs> yeah. so there's always that kind of side of it as well. Yeah. Just, sorry. Just, um, just, no, sorry. Yeah, go, sorry I'll just quick, just one quick point on that. Um, we, we face the interesting challenge because we're partnered with iHeart and we produce a lot of podcasting content. Are we better off only making our content available on iHeart, which drives iHeart adoption and therefore access to our radio brands, or do we take an audience-first approach and make our podcasts available across all platforms, i.e. the, the Joe Rogan um, mm -hmm. example? So for us currently, we are taking an audience-first approach. So we look at all our podcasts and we make it available across all podcatchers. Conversely, iHeart, we also catch other people's podcasts. So we take Radio New Zealand's, we take spin-offs and, and various other people's. But it's, it is an interesting nuance in the podcasting world anyway. Yeah, James, while you're on there, James Butcher, because um, this relates to sort of New Zealand as well, but um, radio ratings. So, I mean, the, yes. traditionally, that's how you sold advertising, right? Yes. You know? yes. So how does it work now when you've got multiple platforms? Oh, um, nightmare, like one of the hardest things we face. I'll be really honest with you. Um, 
So it's it's a real hard thing for a lot of people in radio to kind of get their heads around that you place a spot, whoever's listening hears it. When you're streaming something digitally, someone has to be listening, and then there's an opportunity for us to call an ad and, and insert that ad. So just how we deliver advertising is very different. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, radio survey is based around diary, um, claim listenership. What did you listen to? How long did you spend listening to it? Tick, 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 tick. Um, digital listening is basically based off of a device streaming a piece of content. We have no idea how many other people are in the room that are listening to that stream at that point of time. Yeah. So we're really, really struggling at the moment to take radio currency, which is based off GFK survey, and start looking at how do we deliver audiences digitally and how do we manage that kind of currency and measurement. Um, we're working very actively at an industry level, so with the RBA and alongside MediaWorks to try and get our head around that. Um, but it's also a bit difficult for us because there's other people in audio that are just not invested in this space, you know, YouTube, Spotify, um, all those various other players, and they'll just go off and do their own CPM thing and, and they'll sell and not necessarily particularly transparently either. Uh, so it's, it's a real tough thing for us as an industry and we, we, we want to get it right, um, but it's not easy. Yeah, uh, James Cridlin, this this question came in quite early on your presentation, but uh, the internet and proliferation of devices has certainly shifted listening patterns. How do the changes in radio stats compared to TV stats, particularly traditional terrestrial or broadcast TV? Yeah, Vaughan, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question and thank you for asking it. I mean, I think, you know, both media, uh, both forms of media, radio and TV are seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of change uh, as people uh, as people consume media in different ways. I mean, I, I um, you know, the information that I see seems to show that television, you know, again, it, it, it breaks down in terms of the different types of content of TV. Obviously, the Olympics is doing fantastically well for live TV right now. But something like Game of Thrones doesn't need to be live. Something like Game of Thrones, you can watch whenever you want to watch it. Um, and so that's clearly having, um, you know, having an effect on, uh, on TV consumption. Um, but again, we're still seeing lots of people using the TV um, you know, tuning into television uh, every single night. We're not seeing a tremendous uh, collapse in terms of live linear TV. Uh, you know, that is still there as live radio is. But of course, we are seeing other ways of consuming some of that content. And I, and I think, you know, this is the this is the overarching story is that it's not a binary conversation. It's not one or, or the other. It's that actually in a very habitual um, uh, world as media consumption is, uh, it's gradual, slow and gradual change. And in quite uh, a lot of times, it's actually, um, it's actually additive as well. If you talk to the folks at Spotify, they were a bit worried uh, when they started putting podcasts into the app because they thought that fewer people would be listening to music. That actually hasn't happened. The same amount of music listening happens in the Spotify app now than it always has done. And all of the podcasting consumption is on top. Um, so we're actually seeing, you know, um, an additive world rather than something that takes uh, away, which, uh, you know, I think you can probably go along with, um, with a TV in that as well. Yeah. Hey, look, I've got lots more questions, but I'm going to ask you one more each. Um, first to James Gridland. Um, you talked about, because uh, James Butcher is really coming from a commercial radio background. Let, let's just 
define it roughly like that. And um, you talked about this local and live, not necessarily local and live, but what about, so the things you've been talking about the future, does that apply to like community radio or specialised radio, like religious programming? Um, I want to say sports program, but I'm going to put up a poll in the moment to really just annoy Mr. Butcher. But yeah, what, what do you think? Does it apply <laughs> to that sort of radio as well? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it definitely applies to all sorts of different uh, radio. So um, the first time I, I uh, was in New Zealand, I was a guest of uh, of Access Radio, which is you know a very small community radio aim, aimed at specific audiences, and you know and they and they you know again are looking at the different opportunities that they have from radio being available on as many different platforms as it currently is now. Um, and I think, you know, that's particularly exciting for them too to work out, you know, does the Polish hour, um, you know, which is on Wednesday afternoon at three, uh, is, there a be- is there something better to make that Polish hour um, available on demand as well as on as well as live but you have to set your alarm because otherwise if you miss it then you're into the Kazakhstan hour at four o'clock you know so I mean all of that kind of stuff is really is really useful for them and in the same way you know I, I um, was a director of a, of a radio station here in Brisbane for the last year or so called Reading Radio. And what Reading Radio does, it's a specific license uh, here to literally read out the newspaper um, for people that don't, uh, that have, you know, trouble with the printed word. And again, you know, uh, a lot of people are now consuming that on DAB Plus Radio, which we have over here, as well as on FM, as well as online. You know, so I think that there are real opportunities as we move forward for all all sorts of radio. And RNZ, I think, has, has really shown that if you jump into this with both feet, you really focus on on-demand content, you focus on getting your content out to as many different places as possible, whether it's stuff.co.nz, whether it's other things as well, make sure that your content is on as many different touch points with your audience, um, that's great. And I think if we think of commercial radio as essentially the same, it's telling stories, and they may be telling stories about brands, but they're still telling wonderful stories that we want people to hear. Yeah, thanks, James. And, and your comment about Radio New Zealand sort of leads me to the, the last question for Mr. Butcher. But I mean, Radio New Zealand um, uh, alive uh, at their five o'clock in the evening news show is video as well now these days, and you can see it on multiple channels. But um, the last question to you, James Butcher, is on, on the question and answer, not to pry into your strategy too much. Keen to hear on your thoughts on video-based content. Is there more of a focus on audio because this is where the demand sits? Mm. Um we, we are a big publishing and complicated business, right? So we have the New Zealand Herald, we have One Roof, we have Driven, we have Grab One, we have a whole host of radio brands, we have the iHeart platform. Um, I'll talk a little bit from my lens, a little bit from the business. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a huge believer in audio, just as a great way to, to listen to stories, to consume content. I think it's effective. I think, I think it's a great place for, for publishers and, and for brands and, and for listeners to be. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I'm a little bit biased and I think, you know, that uh, we can, we're in a really good place to dominate and grow within that kind of evolving and changing audio landscape as a business that produces a lot of audio content under our radio brands. Having said that, we obviously um, produce a lot of editorial and news content under the NZ Herald. There is huge demand in this market for high quality, high quality being the, the operative word, video inventory from advertisers. Um, 
video inventory is, is difficult to generate and expensive, but also the advertising is quite hard to manage. It can be quite intrusive um, and it can be quite hard to scale. Uh, to, to scale. Um, but there is a lot of advertising demand for that. Uh, I, I also just think it, it, it never hurts to just take a, a user-first approach. What is your piece of content? How is someone consuming it? Is it best for video or is it best for audio? Or is it best for both? Can it work in both? Can you do video and audio? Like, and I think sometimes businesses who are as big and complex as ours can chip over their feet a little bit with a, with a sort of a binary one or the, we're doing one or the other. And it's like, well, actually, what do people who consume our content mm. want? Let's start there. And then, and then and if, yeah. if, do you know what? If you get it right with your, with your users, the money will come right? because yeah. brands would, will go where your audiences are. And I would so, uh, and I would sort of jump in and just say that there's a big company in the U.S. called Tegna that runs a lot of um, local TV networks, and they bought a podcast network uh, last year called the Locked On Podcast Network, which does sports podcasts. And they've been very clever in taking audio-first content like a sports podcast, but also filming it, also doing it, doing it in TV studios, so that they can still. Um, put these shows out as audio first podcasts, but they also happen to have great video on them, which means that they can add them to the to their um, to their TV apps. They can broadcast them on the TV, you know, sometimes as well. And I think, um, you know, as we move, you know, as we move into a very uh, multi-platform world. My suspicion is that companies like NZME that have both radio and TV assets are, are in a great position um, because you know uh, radio, TV, and print means that you've got the very best, the specialists in all three of those areas that you can then take and cross-pollinate and and make your content work on as many different platforms as you possibly can, which is a fantastic thing. I'm glad yeah, to look, talk about sport. Sorry. ACC are doing a great job with that oh. at the moment, right? You can you can listen to their commentary via the yellow button on Sky. There's all their watch-alongs. They produce a lot of video content, which originally, you know, they they started out as a, as, as a podcast in an audio business. But you're absolutely right, James. And I think the ACC guys do a brilliant job of that. Go sport. I'm glad you brought up sport because I'm going to launch my last poll, um, which will show you where my interests uh, lie. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and just... Uh, Talking about the content, I mean, I, I'm a big listener of a podcast called This Week in Tech, and uh, Leo Laporte does that live to video you can, mm. and, and audio at the same time. You can then watch it later, or you can listen to it later as well. So, um, yeah, mm. so that was a, that's a really interesting um, uh, scenario. Look, I just want to say um, thank you to everybody. We've run over time. I, I could still go. I've got lots more questions written down, but uh, really thank you, James uh, Cridlin, for giving us your morning um, in Brisbane. And you're not in lockdown in Queensland at the moment, so that's good. Um, so, Is that a threat? No, no, we don't <laughs> want to even talk about it. Um, I did. I was going to ask people about the COVID-19 announcements, but James Butcher did show on his chart the the bumps in those times and and james butcher for giving up your lunch time as well thank thank you james so um and thank you everyone for listening this will be on youtube probably in the next day or so it will be on our podcast channels apple google spotify and soon to be iheart radio as well so thank thanks very much everybody thank you yeah